0: Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Saverns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church. And today with me is our lead pastor, Paul Eastwood. Hey. How you doing, Paul? I am doing good. Glad to be back, glad to talk about Sunday. Yeah, so this was our second week in our series called Around the Table. We're talking about these interactions that Jesus had with people um, around a table, uh, usually eating, usually talking about the kingdom, talking about the gospel in some way. Uh, And this is a pretty, pretty famous one. If you've been around the church, I'm sure you've heard Um, this interaction with with Jesus and Simon and the woman who's crying at his feet and breaking the perfume bottle. Paul, do you want to just unpack the story a little bit for us?
1: Yeah. So again, as you said, in the book of Luke, there's lots of uh, instances where Jesus had conversations with people over a meal. And I think uh, so oftentimes uh, when people came together to eat, their guards were down a little bit and there were opportunities for Jesus to have conversations that maybe he wouldn't otherwise have. Um, but yeah, this story is is a very it, for me, it's just a, such a powerful story. i've I've preached on it several times in different ways, uh, from different perspectives. But it's just this great story, the this reminder of this this woman who shows up, um, you know, at a table where Jesus was reclining, having dinner with this Pharisee, Simon. Simon had obviously invited him to his house. We don't really know the circumstances or why he was there, mm-hmm. um, but he, you can kind of tell all the way through that he's not really a fan. So there's something going on there. We don't know exactly what it is. But my my thought as I've been reading through this and, and trying to do a little bit of research in the history is that probably this Pharisee was doing ha- was having Jesus over for out of some kind of obligation. He felt like this was something he had to do. Maybe he was the synagogue ruler yeah. and Jesus was an itinerant preacher and he hmm. said, okay, come over to my house. And so all these people are there and this woman shows up and there's this incredible moment where she is absolutely overcome with her own brokenness. And in these moments, you know, when I was reading this, I I heard it shared in such a way that, you know, just this reminder that she, you know, just was so broken that she fell to her knees at, you know, right at Jesus' feet and she was weeping and her tears eventually started to drip down onto Jesus' feet. And from there, she, you know, maybe she's embarrassed. Maybe she was just kind of feeling this like, oh man, what have I done? And she starts wiping the tears with her hair and she's kissing his feet and then she pours perfume on, on Jesus. And all the way through, there's this, there's this picture of humility or uh, of, you have humility as she comes to Jesus, a a desperation for him, a need for him. And all the while you have this Pharisee and I always imagine him with his arms crossed, you know, Mm -hmm sharing glances with his buddies, looking down at this woman saying, you know, what is she doing? If Jesus really knew who she was, he wouldn't allow her to do what she's doing. And he says, you know, obviously he's thinking to himself in his mind, obviously this guy isn't a prophet because this, he would have known this woman, how bad she is, how terrible she is. And then Simon, and then then in this moment, Jesus speaks and it's, it's this incredible uh, time where he gets to unpack what the gospel is all about, what this big, Good news um, yeah. is all about.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing, uh, beautiful, beautiful story. Just telling sure. us a little bit about what how much God loves us. Um, yeah, I mean Simon is is a is a Pharisee. Um, I mean, what what was that culturally? I know if you know the Bible, you kind of know the Pharisees are the bad guys in some way. But like. Yeah, Modern equivalent. Well,
1: often they get a bad rap, right? But yeah. but but Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. They yeah. were the the ones that people looked up to. They were the mm. ones who uh, were doing the right, quote unquote, things, right? They were following yeah. the law. They were the best at following the law. That was their whole existence was mm. to make sure that nobody, you know, made mistakes and, and did things wrong. And so they were always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Which makes me think, actually, when I think about the Pharisees, is that i think that we uh, you know i know lots of people who want to always do the right thing yeah but i know no one who always does the right thing yep and so that includes both
0: of us absolutely
1: (laughs) absolutely and so i imagine that the the pharisees probably were people who were very conflicted Hmm. because there was there was a part of them their whole job was to keep the rules and i imagine that for every pharisee there were times when they didn't follow the way they wanted to and so either they had to Put on a face and pretend, and mm-hmm. so sometimes that comes up. There's the hypocrisy, of, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Um, sometimes they were making it up, and other times they probably just felt terrible about
0: where they had ended up. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I mean, it's so. <laughs> it's I mean, as a like as someone who's a pastor and a you yeah. know someone who I know some people look up to us as pastors. Right? How do how do we? Um, how do we not get to that point where we're cocky, where yeah. we're we're like, "Oh, we know the law, we know the Bible, we know what's going on, we know how to follow God." We just we will help you get there and it, you know, some people are too far gone. How do we Obviously, we don't believe that. We don't think that. But yeah. how do we make sure that our lives don't reflect that in any way?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think the one of the main points of this whole account is a short little story that Jesus tells. And he tells the story, it's very simple. Two people, they owed money to a to a lender. One owed them lots, the other owed little, neither of them had the money to pay them back, but the money lender forgave both their debts. And what we often focus on is in this story is the very last sentence, because Jesus asked the question to Simon, now which of them will love him more? And yeah. there's a whole discussion around the love that's reflected back, and, and that's important. But I think the first part of this story is equally important. Hmm. And what it means is that people like you and I, who are religious leaders, are exactly the same as people who um, who may be in uh, you know really difficult and terrible circumstances based on their own actions and yeah. um, the fact of the matter is that we all need Jesus in the same uh, we all need him um, mm-hmm. th- that's what makes us the same and so when we see ourselves as you know over and above somebody else uh, we're missing the point of the gospel I
0: mean we're absolutely missing the point yeah yeah uh I think of um the song that we often sing together again, being the worship guy and <laughs> thinking in songs yeah uh, Lord, I need you right and this this cry that we have um where we together sing, Lord, I need you, and I th- there's there's something even different there from saying, Lord, we need you. Yeah, uh, we need you can be great, but you can sing, Lord, we need you while looking over your shoulder at someone else and being like, Yeah, we do, because that person's standing beside me. So you know, we collectively. Yeah. But Lord, I need you is just this cry of like, Nope, it's it's me. Yeah. Absolutely, it's it's uh, every one of us so yeah. desperately needs God.
1: Yeah, I and that's a great that's a great um, example that song, and I, I you know what I. Like you have two people in this, in this story. There's the Pharisee who, you know, believes that he's got it all together. And the woman who comes, you know, desperately wanting to honor Jesus for, for, you know, because of what he said, um, because of what he's offering her. And the, and the thing is that, and Jesus obviously tells Simon that this woman has done the right thing and he's done the wrong thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's easy for us to get into this thing that okay, well Jesus really, really loves the people who are the down and outers, the ones who are really struggling. Yeah, he likes them more than people who are religious or who Mm. are you know trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but that's not the case. Uh, There is you know there was the only difference between Simon and this woman. It wasn't about education. It wasn't about. Um, you know, his, his money or any of those different things or his experiences even, the only difference between Pharisee the Pharisee and this woman was this, this woman understood God's love. Yeah. She got it. Yeah. Like that's why she was saying, I need you. That was where that came from, is she understood what love really was all about. Mm-hmm. Simon didn't get it. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't that, si- that, that forgiveness wasn't available to Simon. He didn't ask for it. He didn't ask for it because he didn't think he needed to. Hmm. And I think a lot of us can find ourselves in that place, especially here in North America. There's a lot of us who are, you know, going through life and things are going okay. And I know lots of people who are, you know, they're making enough money and things are kind of going together okay. And it's really difficult to be
0: in that place and recognize our need for Jesus. Yeah, it's one of the things I think culturally has become uh, less and less okay about the kind of this Christian ethic that we, we ascribe to. Um, I mean, it used to be people would say, you know, the world's a broken place and, and some of the brokenness is in me and I make mistakes. And, and we believe this, right? We yeah. believe that all have sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And increasingly, a lot of people are saying, well, not me. Like, yeah. I, No, I was born good. And I, you know, I maybe screw a couple things up, but I'm, I'm okay, right? And, yeah. and that's, no, the gospel actually tells us we need to reconcile with the fact that, that we're part of the problem. Everything yeah. in our world
1: tells us that life is about, you know, putting everything on a scale and wanting things on the scale to tip in a direction that makes you a good person. Yeah. <laughs> if I do the right things, if I say the right things, if I have the right experiences, if I make the right decisions, then I'm good mm-hmm. ultimately. And then good becomes, you know, in the eye of the beholder, it's what can, I, you know, what have I done? And that's not, What's seen in this passage at all? In fact, that's not what the gospel is about at all. There is no good Christian. (laughs) There are only broken Christians and broken people who are far from God,
0: all in need of Jesus. Mm. Yeah, Uh, I want to take a little sidebar, um, which I think is really related. So, when we see the woman, you know, being physically demonstrative, let's say. I mean, she's she's wiping Jesus's feet with her tears. She's crying. She's She's there, and then we see Simon, and we're not really told much. You say you picture him folding his arms, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is is probably accurate. Does that tell us anything about how we should act in worshiping God, how we respond with our bodies? This is something I think about as someone who leads our congregation, and our congregation being more conservative. um, There's a lot of people who stand with their arms crossed and somewhat sing along, or maybe don't sing a lot. Mm -hmm. Is, Is that a reflection of what's going on in the heart? could it be? Is, is there, yeah. is there something here to compel us to be more demonstrative? Yeah. I, well, I think, I think what's here is
1: that there's a, there's a reminder that nothing is over the top, hmm. that nothing is too much. Okay. Right. So like, and I, and I say that, you know, recognizing that this could go a lot of different directions, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I think that if we if we witnessed this activity, I think it's easy for us to read this story as, um, you know, someone who might be following Jesus for a long time. And you read the story and you think, yeah, I know the story. And, yeah, sure. And, and yeah, it sounds great. But if you were actually there in the moment and you saw this woman doing what she was doing, yeah. you would be appalled. You'd be probably thinking to yourself, what on earth is going on? Like, don't embarrass yourself. Would you get up? Like, imagine somebody showed up on, on in church on Sunday and yeah. just, you know, started like, Bawling, or or you know, running to the front, or having some kind of a, a of an emotional experience, and you're think you might be thinking to yourself like, oh come on,
0: yeah, you know, easy are you, there.
1: Are you just trying to get attention? Like, yeah. what's what's really going yeah. on there? You, you How know? much did
0: they say the perfume was worth? Was it, a, a year yeah, was
1: it was it was very expensive for sure. I mean, it, it was something that was very costly for her. She was just you know bringing all of everything of herself and just pouring it out at Jesus, yeah, as, as feet. And I think I think for us, it reminds us that. That nothing is extravagant. Extravagant mm-hmm. is what God did for us in sending Jesus. That's yeah. extravagant. Um you know, Philippians two tells us that that Jesus didn't, you know, he had all of this, and yet he gave he purposefully chose to put that aside and come to earth.
0: Yeah.
1: and uh, and that's extravagant. Yeah. So anything that we can do in response is not extravagant. Hmm. And so I would say that, um, is it a reflection of our heart when, when we're, you know, not being demonstrative in, in where our worship experiences, maybe. Um, and I, yeah. I might even say, I might even say likely yeah, sure. <laughs> that it's an indication it's- of what's going on in our heart. But I think that we can be, I think that our goal is to be in the position of that woman hmm. responding to Jesus with absolutely everything yeah. and then showing that love to other people. I think that should be sort of our, 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 um, our measuring stick.
0: Yeah, and it's not—this it, it, passage doesn't uh, prescribe for us that we need to be like this, no. or we need to try to, to, you know, make up these experiences or get ourselves emotionally riled up. Um, no. But what it does say is that, you know, the love of God— is so extravagant that there's nothing off limits, as you said, for, for the way we express ourselves. Like there's there's nothing that's too extravagant in a response to that. No, I, I definitely agree with that for sure. Well, that's, yeah, it's good. Um, I, you know, last week we talked a little bit about hospitality. Um, we've got these questions we're asking ourselves this year. Uh, Am I deliberately opening my life and home to people I don't yet know? Um, and we feel the gospel is calling us to do this, right? And yep. And this week we're talking a little bit about selflessness as well. Um mm-hmm. am I oh I'm gonna forget the words.
1: What? Well, am I am I serving the people yep. I see regularly in costly and personal ways? Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I think this is a good question for us to ask. When we've seen the example of this woman who just, you know, who was completely others focused based on the fact that something had happened in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I, I had a quote from Max Lucado who said something really profound, I think. He said, the secret to loving is living loved. Hmm. And so when we fully embrace what God's done for us, the only response for us is to be serving the people around us. Yeah. So costly service, what does that look like? I mean, to me, it's about always being thinking about the other person. It's not just seeing a neighbor as someone who is, you know, oh, that's the neighbor that's taking out the garbage. I'm thinking that's a neighbor who's has a family who has a, you know, who hasn't seen his dad in a while, who is really struggling to figure out what's going on with his kids who might be upset because the Leafs lost last night. (laughs) Like, you know, when we get to know people on that kind of level um, and that comes by asking questions and being and being concerned and that gives us an opportunity to display grace by serving those people
0: uh, in their moments of need. Can can you think of any examples in in your life of of a time where someone has served you in a costly and personal way? Yeah, I can think of moments where people have served me in that
1: way. Um, I think that it often involves uh, just time Hmm. spent. You know, when somebody says, you know, when someone is willing to drop what they're doing and come and spend time with me because something has happened, um, that's happened in my life several times. And I think for me too, it's, you know, I've tried to display that for other people Mm -hmm. in moments. And, uh, you know, if someone is, um, you know, if someone is, is hurting and you say to them, uh, okay, you know, like I'll, um, you know, I'll see, you, I'll be thinking about you or I'll be praying for you. And you just kind yeah. of leave it at that thoughts and prayers. Yeah. That's one thing. But if someone calls you and says, Hey, I'm not doing so well and something just happened. And if you have the opportunity to say, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, give me an hour and I'll meet you at Tim Hortons and let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a way to serve someone in a costly way. And then when you find out what's going on, taking the time to do something for that person, uh, along the way that
0: that's what, you know, costly service looks like. Yeah. And it's, it's allowing ourselves to be inconvenienced. Um, I think of my own, like I like to manage my schedule well, I like to know what I'm doing and, you know, I'm busy with the family and the job and there's lots of things I'm trying to get done. Um, do I, do I give the spirit permission to call me out of that? Mm-hmm. Do I, do I allow myself to be inconvenienced or do I, do I default to, sorry, I'm busy. I've already got something planned. Right. Yeah. Um, and for me that I, I think the key to serving people in, in a more costly and more personal way is just being more open with my schedule and saying, you know, God, okay, you, there's an opportunity here. Maybe you're calling me to this and, uh, it doesn't really fit with my plan, but maybe it's your plan. So, okay, what, what, what can I do here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard. Yeah, how have you figured out, how have you figured ways to balance that? Um,
1: how do you balance that yeah. with, with life and with uh, work and things that you have responsibilities over?
0: Yeah, I mean, part of it is um, talking through it with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, she's definitely a big part of of figuring those things out. Uh, I mean, we, we had a moment uh, a couple weeks ago where we were planning on getting something done around our house, and uh, someone called and said, uh, actually, I heard from someone that someone else was just having a hard time. They were going through some stuff and, and needed some help with something or potentially needed something. So I said, hey, is there anything anything I could help with? And this was the uh, long weekend Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, texted back and said, actually, yeah, you know, could you come and help tomorrow morning? Yeah, And I was like, uh, yes, I can, right? I mean, texting is beautiful like that because you, you just respond and you're like, oh, no, th- what have I done, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I like, no longer can get done the things that I want to Um and yet, like it's just so worth it to be present and to be yeah uh, to be serving that person in that moment, and um yeah, I mean, I need good boundaries, I need to make sure that I still carve out space in my life for rest, yeah, um, that I carve out space for family, for God, for obviously the responsibilities that I've got with work and and other things, but um, I think we all spend a lot of time doing things that we don't necessarily need to, um, yeah. I think entertainment has become a big thing in our culture and entertainment isn't necessarily good rest. Um, So I can cut out entertainment time in my life to serve people and still have time to rest. Yeah. It'll take some discipline. It'll take some intentionality. It'll take some people in my life to call me on some things, but I think I can do it.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I think you, you know, you bring up a good point. It makes me think of the fact that we, that, you know, how we respond in the moment is a good indication of where our heart is at Mm -hmm. so you know when we when we find that we have an opportunity to serve somebody and you know we either grit and bear it or just kind of be like oh man okay this is going to be terrible or i don't want to do this or i have to or you know when we when we do things out of those obligations i think that we're probably doing it to get credit somehow from somebody else but the more and 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 i i think that maybe to begin with it might Take some intentionality. I mean, this whole year is mm-hmm. about living intentionally. Yep. It it may be at the beginning, it may feel a little forced. Yeah. But I think that we really understand God's love when we start doing it so naturally that it doesn't become a question, it doesn't become a challenge or a fight. It's yeah. something that comes naturally to us where it's like, oh yeah, how can I help? And I know, and listen. I've seen this most often. I've seen this with um, our friends from the Salvation Army. Hmm. They have this this idea that they say, you know, uh, heart to uh, heart to God, hand to man, hmm. and their whole focus is on serving people around them. And I can I can tell you, when I've been involved with uh, people from the Salvation Army, so often they are serving all the time. It's mm-hmm. like you know, they're always looking to, to fill a need somehow and they don't do it begrudgingly. They just do it naturally. It's like, you know, someone needs to clear the table. They jump up, you know, someone needs to do this. They jump up. It's always about serving people. And it just comes so naturally because they've really understood what it means to take your heart from God, your relationship with him, Mm -hmm. um, and have that reflected in the way that you serve, uh, people around you.
0: Yeah. And that's such a good challenge to all of us. I mean, in our, we're just running out of time here, but in, in our day and age of personality tests and the Enneagram and all these spiritual gifts tests, even we kind of, it's easy to say, oh, this is what I'm naturally good at. I'm an introvert. I'm an extrovert. You know, I, I, I'm yeah. best in these circumstances. And I know people who are really good at this and really good at this. The truth is the people in my life who are best at whatever, um, some of them, it came naturally, but some of them actually, they had to work hard on it. And they've been working hard at it for 20, 30 years. And it now looks like it comes naturally, but yeah. Um, I think we're all called when it's with something like hospitality and service, serving each other selflessly and being bold about sharing our faith. These are things that we think, yeah, no, we should all as followers of Christ be, be pursuing these. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And just as a final
1: thought there to the to this, I, I really, so I want to take you back to that quote from Max Lucado who says, yeah. the secret to loving is living loved. And I know that when we come across these things, we start we start from one place, and that is, look, God has done something incredible yeah. in our lives, yeah. and our response should be to love the people that are around us. That's the beginning point. But then it starts to snowball into this. Okay, what can I do? How can I get it? You know, what what are my personality tests? All these different things, and like you're saying, it yeah. just gets so so frantic. But it becomes something that we try to accomplish and tackle, and say, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to do a better. And it's like, wait, no, at its at its core, the secret to loving people is living loved, hmm. recognizing and feeling deeply what God has done for us. Yeah. And so I think that's a good place for us to to return to in those moments where we're feeling like, you know what? Life for the last little while has been all about me. And so I need to be reminded of what Jesus did for me so that yeah. I can start to see people the way that he sees them and start mm-hmm. serving them
0: in ways that honor them and glorify God. That's awesome. A great final word uh thank you for listening along we will be back next week with more postscript